Let's embark on an exciting new journey. Get inspired to explore the shallows and the depths with her ocean story. Mahalo for listening. From one ocean lover to another, I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and I'm ready to have some fun on this party wave together. Aloha, ocean lovers, and welcome to Her Ocean Story. I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and I'm very excited to be interviewing today Kylie Perrin. She works for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Research Institute and is a part of the Sea Turtle Stranding and Salvage Network. She is currently the Sea Turtle Stranding Coordinator. We're going to learn about her role a day-to-day out in the field or in the office and what inspired her to be rescuing sea turtles. Hi, Kylie. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yes, so am I. I'm happy you get to be a part of her ocean story. So I love to ask guests first, what did you, how did you figure out you love the ocean, you want to work in it? study biology. Where did your love for the ocean begin? My love for the ocean began just as a child. You know, I grew up in Palm Beach County, so I spent lots of weekends and holidays and really just any excuse for my family to go out on the boat. So I would, you know, snorkel around and look at all the fish underneath. And I think growing up, I should have realized this is what I was going to do. But instead, you know, it's not a not a more conventional career. So it, it took a little wi- a little bit, but I, I should have known from the start this was what I was gonna do. And who was the major, I guess, role model or who influenced you in in choosing biology and marine life and marine conservation to work in? I guess it's not one specific person who inspired me. It's just kind of the collective people that I would meet and I just feel inspired by. I started off by volunteering with Loggerhead Marine Life Center as one of their education docents. And I would stand in their turtle yard with all their turtle patients and, you know, tell guests about the treatments that are being done and just being able to interact with the vets that they had and the the techs and everything. Like it was very educational and inspiring for me. And to see people doing something like that, I was like, wow, I could do that. So that was just a very influential organization from the start. Yeah. Nice. And was that while you were in high school or college or when you graduated? Yep. So I had started when I was in high school and I continued volunteering there through a little bit through college. Okay, nice. So you got started young. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so what is your day to day as a sea turtle stranding coordinator? I guess maybe you can describe like one day in the office, one day in the field, or if it's a mix of both. So I want to say it's kind of a mix of both. I kind of respond to things as needed. So sometimes, you know, in our slower seasons, I'm not really responding to things and it's a lot of just office work. But when I am responding, sometimes I'm just driving to help transport a turtle or sometimes I'm the one like actually responding to pick up the turtle. So I'll help with calls for the whole state. So sometimes if it's not quite in my county, but I, since I am closer to a rehab, I'm a lot of the times kind of like that middle person who will meet somebody from a different county, pick up the injured turtle they rescued and drive it to the rehab facility. And then I go into the office and I'll log, you know, the trunk information and the turtle and kind of the report and everything. And I'll work with the the rehab facility for some of the reporting, the location and where we got the turtle and everything. So they always say 
a big thing in our field is, you know, for every one hour of field work, you have about, you know, three to four, I would say maybe three to six, depending on what you're, you're doing of like paperwork. just <laughs> paperwork. Yeah. Office work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's definitely not an equal balance, but you know, it's so worth it and all the fun that happens when you are out in the field and how great that feels. Of course, of course. We will get to that. I will ask you a little bit more about that. But <laughs> what would you say is the most common reason why sea turtles end up being stranded? What do you see? It really depends on the season. I don't have the exact numbers of what are number one causes because I know it's different in the different areas throughout Florida. But you know, a lot of the times in the summer when we have all the turtles, you know, close to shore and in our waters for nesting, we see a lot of boat strikes because turtles will, you know, mate at the surface. They breathe air. So it's a strenuous process. So they stay really close to the surface and, you know, they're not really looking out for boats. They're focused on what they're doing there. And so that's a big, big issue and always pretty sad to see a nice, he nice healthy turtle wash up on our beach in the middle of nesting season. And then we see, at least for our green turtles, we see a lot of them with this disease called fibropapillomatosis. We call it PAPS for short, or FP. And it's just these like little tumors. It's very similar to the herpes virus. And we're still pretty new and we're still doing research on like really how it spreads and how they get it. We think it's linked to poor water quality since we're seeing it in our green sea turtles who are usually in shallower areas closer to shore because they're eating seagrass. And we see a, a lot of that, especially in our northern side of Florida. Those facilities fill up very quickly with, with FP turtles and they can easily be removed and released. But so there is a treatment for that. Who's to say that? that yeah. Yeah, there's a treatment for it. So we'll go in and we'll We'll do surgery and they'll remove the tumors and they'll wait for, you know, to heal everything before we release them and make sure they're behaving and eating and glucose and all the, the levels are normal. But who's to say once we release them, the disease is still in their system. They could regrow. We've oh. seen it before. It's not, we don't see it as much, but it is possible. So it's kind of, it's the best that we can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course. Which we definitely see a lot of success with that because we will always tag those turtles. And if they're ever seen again, usually they don't regrow. But we've definitely seen turtles that have. And so. Okay. Yeah, no, that's at least it's a, it's a step forward. It's a it's progress. You know, we're yeah. able to do at least we're able to do the surgery and. And help mm -hmm. them get better. So that's a nice. That's a good trend. What would you say is like the hardest part? of your job or the hardest thing to see when you're out the in hardest the field. thing to see is definitely the like the rescues that almost were rescues you know maybe you didn't get there in time or you know it died on the way to the rehab or you know maybe you just couldn't catch it because water conditions you didn't have the resources the turtle was evading capture so those can be pretty sad, especially when you're not able to to capture the turtle because usually we lose them and, you know, sometimes they get better, sometimes they don't. And at least in that moment, they were healthy enough to not be caught despite what was going on. So those are always just the hardest because you feel so close. But yeah, no, I, I admire so much what you do. A lot of people are like, <laughs> oh, how can you work as a nurse and work with kids? And I'm like, yeah, but you know, 
kids come to the hospital and they can get better, you know, but when in situations like that, you know, with the turtle that doesn't trust you, that doesn't trust humans or no, you know, they can't communicate with us. And then they don't know we're trying to help. And Mm -hmm. and if you can, it it really sucks. (laughs) Yeah. To me, it's too heartbreaking. I just can't. I admire people who can rescue animals because that's where I draw the line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's got their line. So (laughs) exactly. Right. (laughs) And what's, what's been the most rewarding or like the best experience that you've had in, in your current role? I think the most rewarding is when I get to release the turtles that were rehabbed. You know, a lot of the time I'm just kind of on the end of bringing them and I don't always get to know, you know, what happens once they get to the rehab. So it's really, it's such a beautiful moment to be able to release those turtles and help out on that side of things. And it's, it's so beautiful just to see them go into the ocean or it's very similar when I was doing nesting work and watching the the hatchlings hatch from a nest and go to the water. It's, it's beautiful just to see a turtle return to where it belongs. Yes, definitely. I know that was one of my favorite experiences when I lived in Puerto Rico. I lived in an area that was very common for turtles, especially loggerheads, leatherbacks, for them to come lay eggs. And if they were to hatch during the day, there were some people who would try to to rescue them, to let them release, to release them at night, because during the day there'd be more just predators that would come after them or mm-hmm. people who would come and, you know, who might uh, try to get in the way of, you know, nature just kind of doing its thing. So I got to see that at nighttime, them releasing baby sea turtles. And that was so cute. That was just adorable. The cutest yeah, thing to see. Yeah, it's so great. What are, what's a positive trend that you see in the sea turtle population or conservation efforts? Like are you their know, populations increasing? Are there less accidents? Or what would you say is something positive? I will say this last year has been kind of a, a slower year for strandings. I don't have the exact numbers and, you know, stuff like this can kind of fluctuate, but that was a really positive thing for us to see, especially in South Florida too. I do know we had, you know, record breaking nests that were laid this year and which is also really wonderful to yeah. to see. So kind of on both ends of our of our turtle world, have we seen some positive things this past year? So that makes us very hopeful and and really feel like all this work that we're doing is is actually being effective and put to use and we're actually doing something for these turtles. So we're hoping to see that, you know, for the the next year. But like I said, it fluctuates. So we're we're hopeful, but you never know. But yeah, no, it's good at least to know that there are more turtles and are more nests. At least those are things that you can kind of keep track of. What do you look for in volunteers who who want to help and be a part of the sea turtle yeah, stranding so and salvage network. Volunteering is easily the best way to get involved, whether you're interested just for fun, just for your own personal enjoyment or for a career. That's how most of us get started or, you know, through internships. But if you do want to help, there's pretty much organizations all throughout Florida and our stranding and salvage network really heavily relies on those volunteers and all those different organizations throughout Florida because we have I believe it's like six offices for the whole state. So we obviously can't reach with our own staffing all the corners of Florida. So I would just say find your nearest sea turtle rehab, sea turtle organization, and I would reach out to them and see, you know, what part that they're involved in. A lot of them are with stranding and salvage. So just reaching out to them, you do have to be 18, but 
yeah, just wherever you are, you can, it's a quick Google, find that local organization and you can get involved that way. And they're always so happy to have help. So it's always so needed. So yeah, that's, I love that about Florida. There's so many, re- I mean, it's sad that we Ooh. have so many, but it's at the same time, good that we have the <laughs> rehab, right? Like it's, like, it's, like, it's sad to yeah. think there's so many sick animals, but it happens. It's, you know, a part of life, you know, just like we get sick, they get sick. So they need, you know, it's, it's amazing that we have these rehabs in the area to help, you know, turtles from different parts of Florida, you know, from the Gulf Coast, Atlantic, South Florida, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. We have sea turtle activity pretty much throughout the whole state. So this is one of the better places to be uh, if you do want to get involved with turtle stuff. So and what can someone do? What can we do, I guess, in our day to day lives? Like, let's say we're not volunteering, but what can we do in our day to day lives to help protect sea turtles and and avoid them from like getting stranded or things so like that? So if you're ever on the beach, um, filling in any holes or, you know, being careful where you're putting umbrellas, anything like that. Definitely pick up your trash off the beach. That's always number one. You know, we see a lot of our smaller turtles come in because they just full of plastic. Of course, boater safety is is so key. You know, being vigilant, looking out and following the speed zones and everything is so important. And a lot of these things are important for turtles and and other wildlife too in the ocean. So it's kind of like a an overarching thing for just ocean life in general. So yeah, boater safety, very important. Pick up your trash. Um, of course, like if you're not at the beach in your home, just try to recycle, be mindful of the plastic use that you do have. And because all of that will eventually, not will, but most likely will end up in the ocean. What are other projects or jobs that you have or that you have had or that you would like to have in regards to marine life conservation? Most of my work has been with sea turtles. I did work at a kind of manatee, a manatee viewing facility in, in Palm Beach. And that was really beautiful. I did a lot of education to children, adults, pretty much all ages on the species and the protection of it. And it is a wild viewing area. So in the wintertime, it's the best time to see them there. And um, But other than that, I've just done more corners of sea turtles. So I've done nesting work. And I did that with Gumbo Limbo Nature Center down in Boca Raton. And that's where I would get up right around sunrise and jump onto the beach. And we would be um, just trying to beat the crowds before people got out there and look for different turtle crawls and marking nests so that they have like a nice perimeter for protection and managing the already laid nest, checking for predator disturbances. And of course, you know, natural wind and all that ever, if we ever have to rebuild nests and once they hatch out and excavations, that's where we'll take a nest inventory and see all the fun stuff of what happened in the the nest so that's what I've done (laughs) no that's beautiful though if you if you know what you love and what you're passionate about and and just just go for it I totally admire that I I I would have a hard time like choosing probably one species because I love giant mantas and I love turtles and I love dolphins and it would just be like hard for me to pick one thing Mm -hmm. but it's good to specialize you know in one area for a while I'm sure that has yeah. its benefits. Mm-hmm. So you'll learn like their patterns, their behaviors and all those kind of things. 
Yeah, it's very niche. And I've definitely kind of dabbled in kind of all the corners of turtle stuff. I did help out um, when I did work at Gumbo and their rehab. So I know very minimal information about treatments and that kind of what goes on in that setting. Um, but I am also interested in so many other things. So I have actually been thinking about on my days off volunteering with other organizations and just because I love the ocean. So <laughs> yeah, of course. And in your area, you know, there's so many Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's just so many projects, so many organizations. Like, for example, the item, the first episode, the second episode, but the first interview that I did was with Jessica Pate from the Florida mm-hmm. Manta Project. And as if I lived over there on that side on the East Coast, <laughs> I definitely would love to be involved. <laughs> yeah, because they're always looking for volunteers too. So it's it's pretty cool. There's, there's just so much here in Florida. Mm-hmm. I feel like I really took that for granted in the beginning when I first lived here. And and now that I'm learning and as I started diving more and all of that, started learning about all the organizations that are out there. Mm-hmm. And since I just mentioned diving, does that, do you ever do that for work or you just, or you just do scuba diving and free diving for funds? I know we had talked about that before the interview. Yeah, so I'll do uh, scuba diving or free diving more for just recreational. I know people who do it for work, but I haven't gotten lucky enough to have to do that. So I just kind of do it recreationally, and I've got some friends that I'll go with. And yeah, I don't nice. do it as, as often as I would like, but I try to get out whenever I can. Yeah, of course. No, you live in a great area too, so definitely, definitely get out there. I highly recommend it. <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody who would like to be involved in in marine life conservation? The advice I'd like to give would be do it, try it out. It's a wonderful field to be in because there are so many things that you can do. It's not, you know, traditional every, you know, if you're doing coral, if you're doing manatees, if you're doing cetaceans, turtles, like, you know, even the the smaller, lesser no like less popular animals. Like there's just so many different aspects of it. And there's so many different like niches and specialties and um, it's just such a beautiful thing to be a part of. I The best advice for that is also to volunteer. Um, all of those organizations need volunteers. That's what a lot of them rely on. A lot of them are nonprofits and just getting involved that way is the best to kind of test the waters to see what exactly you're interested in and also to get to know people at organizations and you know, be able to be like, hi, I'm here and I'm interested. And, you know, it really is all about who you know and making those connections is so, so important in this field because, you know, so many of us have the degree, but, and even the experience, but, you know, it's all about who you know and those connections that you can make and that networking. And I would say do it. I would say try it out. It's such an easy field to be able to to try out because there are so many volunteer opportunities. So I, would just say go for it. I mean, you know, you run into the issue of it's you're definitely not getting paid the most because so many people want to do this. Jobs are competitive. You know, kind of the best jobs people get that and retire in them, so they can be very far and few in between. Gotcha. But that's kind of the trouble that we all seem to run into. There's too many of us and not enough jobs, and and the the, the really good ones there's not enough turnover in them. What about the degree? Does somebody have to study biology or can it be something else? Definitely other degrees you could do ecology, you could do zoology, you can do oh man, there's there's so many. 
that's kind of why I went with a general biology degree because, you know, job applications, they'll tell you what kind of degrees we're interested in, like an applicant having. And almost always they just say biology because that's kind of the basis of all the other degrees for what you're doing. And those just kind of get a little bit more niche into it. And, you know, if you want to do more like rehab setting, you know, you got your zoology style and then ecology is more for like management, population control and or population management and stuff like that. So it kind of depends. But I would say just if you're not sure, a regular biology degree will will be good enough. So <laughs> and then last but not least, since we're heading into 2024, what would mm-hmm. uh, what would you say your career goals are for next year? My career goals are definitely to keep doing what I'm doing, but kind of add on more projects and more side things that I enjoy, which, you know, can be done through volunteering, but also just in my, you know, day-to-day work. There's also more things that I'm interested in. And I've kind of started taking on a project of going through all of the fishing gear and entanglement and stuff on sea turtles and entering that data and working kind of with Noah on that. So just kind of finding more projects that are in my world that I can help with and and get involved with, which I should have mentioned that before. Hook and uh, hook ingestion and entanglements is a huge thing that we see with our sea turtles. I can't believe I didn't mention that before. <laughs> That's <laughs> another one of our big ones. All the fishing piers and yeah, all, that, all over the place. So, and what parts do they typically like get hooked? Is it just anywhere? Like their fins, their the shell Um, just anywhere or it could be anywhere usually it's the mouth um usually what we call turtles um a lot of turtles that will hang around piers um are typically we'll call them you know repeat offenders they're there because it's an easy meal and so Um. a lot of the times they'll you know get hooks in the side of the mouth they'll just swallow them you'll start to see the entanglements when someone just cuts the line and then that just gets tangled around their flippers but that's why when we get calls about, you know, people who've caught a turtle on hook and line instead of telling you to just cut it. We do actually want to get somebody out there to be able to get the turtle because a lot of the times we've taken turtles that even just had like a little hook in their flipper to where it could have just fallen out on its own and it was no big deal. And we brought them back to rehab and got some x-rays and they just had hooks all through their system. So that's heartbreaking. So it's, it's just one of those things that they just go for the easiest thing and dead fish on a hook are pretty easy to get to. Yeah. Pretty um, easy meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just one of those unfortunate things, but. And if they find a turtle like that, you know, with a lot of fish, you know, inside, you know, the, a lot of fish hooks inside of their mouths or intestines and they do surgeries on them and, and have them Mm -hmm. and release them later. Yeah. So they'll try their best, you know, with their shells, we can't really go fully into their systems. So they'll try their best. Usually they go in through the mouth and we'll get anything in the esophagus and stuff like that, if possible. And a lot of the times it's giving them lots of oils so that, that it just like coats their insides and that they can just, you know, shoot that out the other end and process it as best as they can. And, you know, that, that can definitely take some time. And the same with, you know, fishing line that sometimes goes along with it. Oh, wow. But they can definitely be rehabbed. Yeah. (laughs) But they can (laughs) definitely be rehabbed and and re-released. And this is a wrap on episode number eight of Her Ocean Story with Kylie Perrin from the Sea Turtle Stranding and Salvage Network. 
Mahalo for all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe feeling a little inspired to volunteer in 2024, whether it be with sea turtles, manatees, or mantas, any of your favorite marine life out there. In the podcast description, I'll have the website information for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation and their links for volunteer projects and any ways you can get involved. And if you have any other questions for Kylie or myself, or if you have somebody that you'd love to see on Her Ocean Story, please shoot me an email at heroceanstory at gmail.com. I'm grateful for the reviews and ratings. It really helps with Her Ocean Story keep growing. I hope you're having a great day out on the water. Aloha.